What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Namaste Podcast, a podcast dedicated to uplifting the soul, connecting self-help ideas to extraordinary success. Well, today is a very special episode for Little Miss Melissa because today on the show, I am going to be sharing a recent interview that I did with none other than John Gray, the author of Men Are From Mars, a book that has sold millions of copies worldwide. And not only that, but he's also sold a number of other books since that one, including his most recent one that I'm absolutely obsessed with called Beyond Mars and Venus. And in this episode, you will actually hear us talk all about uh, his books in the past and his most recent one. Man, what an extraordinary privilege to get to talk to someone whose teachings have completely changed my life. They not only have completely changed my relationship for the better, but they've helped me understand myself better. So I'm such a big promoter of his books, and I know I've spoken about them a number of times on this podcast. So without further ado... Here is my interview with the great John Gray. This episode of the Namaste podcast is sponsored by the Spirit Roots Company, a company that provides intuitive crystal readings, healings, informative classes, and wearable handmade gemstone jewelry. I am personally such a big fan of this company. I have my very own gemstone bracelet. It is orange and red agate. Absolutely stunning, guys. As well as I have also received a crystal reading with the owner, Emily, herself. Uh, She was fantastic. Completely blew my mind. So I am a big, big lover of this brand, as you can see. So go check it out. Spirit Roots Company on Etsy or www.spiritrootscompany.com and get your very own crystal psychic reading too. Would highly recommend. What's going on guys? Welcome back to the Namaste podcast, a podcast dedicated to uplifting the soul, connecting self-help ideas to extraordinary success. Today on the podcast, I have a very special guest and I say very special because I have very much idolized this man for a very long time. He is the best-selling author of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, among many other amazing books, uh, as well as his new book called Beyond Mars and Venus. His name is John Gray, and he is here with me today. So how are you doing, John? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'm excited to do this interview. Honestly, this is uh, such a treat for me. I'm just going to open with, you know, this book has totally changed my relationship in my life. And I am such a big advocate for your book. And I tell all of my friends and family, and I've uh, honestly, I think I've mentioned it uh, at least five or six times on other episodes on my podcast. So everyone is very excited uh, for me to be able to chat with you today. It's pretty awesome. I'm very happy to be with you. Yeah. So I just wanted to start off with, um, have you always been passionate about understanding the difference in sexes and how we interact with each other? No, I was, um, you know, in the, in the sixties, I was a hippie and I, but I did love women. I did love sex. Okay. So that's a a natural thing for me. But then (laughs) around, uh, 18 years old, I, um, uh, we're all getting high at Woodstock and all of that. And but there's always, when you go high with drugs, you go way down. 
And uh, so at that time, the Beatles had gone to India to study with the Maharishi. And they said, oh, you can get high without going down. So I thought, okay, I'll learn meditation. So I learned meditation. And right around that time, the Maharishi came to America. And I began taking his classes, uh, one-month classes, then three-month classes, then six-month classes. I took every one of his classes for three years. And then I'm his best student. I became his personal assistant. And I live with him. I was so devoted. Uh, you know, I've been married to my wife, Bonnie, 34 years. I'm very devoted to her. But before that, I was very devoted to a spiritual path. So I was a yogi. Um, uh, you know, that was my passion. I'm a master meditator. I love to meditate. Uh, I meditate hours every day. And I have sex for hours every day. Uh, both are like very, very important to me. But I had to be on the meditation path to find myself, to find unconditional love. And I was very happy with the Maharishi after nine years. Uh, then, But my brother was bipolar and meditation didn't solve that problem for him. So I really felt a lot of compassion and couldn't really feel happy anymore thinking of my brother. So I went to study psychology to help him. Cool. And when I became studying psychology, I realized that, oh, as a counselor, I have a whole different point of view. Uh, and I became very passionate about understanding the differences between men and women. Because my wife, Bonnie, I did not understand why she was the way she was. <laughs> and I, I had a marriage counseling, you know, I had counseling, 95% of my clients were women. And they came in every day with the same complaints as other women, which were the same complaints my wife had. So, and I had none of those, and my male friends had none of those. There was a clear difference between men and women. So I said, oh, if we can understand the differences, our communication will improve a lot. And if our communication improves, there's more intimacy, and the sex is better. Sex is great then. So to me, you know, part of the spiritual journey, and I, in, in my book, the most recent one, Beyond Mars and Venus, really, it's about relationship, but it's also a very... Uh, spiritual book and it talks about that we all have a male and a female side and the highest spiritual experience is the union <clears throat> of those two qualities within us right. so because the spiritual the spirit doesn't have sex it is a blend it's the yin and the yang it's a blend of the masculine and feminine and it's through harmonizing men and women together through love intimacy and sex that you actually bring the divine into the body that's why it feels so good to have sex <clears throat> right wow wow you know it's interesting because i think um a lot of people when they're reading your book instantly they they feel i can assume oh my god i understand how a man thinks now or i understand how a woman thinks now but what i found really interesting was that you this this book <laughs> yes i have a very old copy of it <laughs> uh, it's my mom's from like 1994 so it's pretty crazy <laughs> um this book helped me understand myself which I thought was, that was the most rewarding part about it, was that I didn't understand why I was getting so offended by certain things and, and why I kept hearing my ex-boyfriends or in present ones saying, you don't appreciate me or, you know, and it, it just, it really helped me understand, oh, that's what I'm doing wrong. And, uh, and that's, that's what he's saying. Not that I'm necessarily doing something wrong, but that's, yeah, and that's, that's well, what I know, feel. <laughs> the, the, real, the reality is that whenever there's problems, we're always a part of the problem and right. somebody else is part of the problem maybe somebody's mm -hmm. more maybe somebody less but unless we understand ourselves we can't see how we're contributing 
Right. And we, we understand them, then we can see how we're contributing. And that's right. so important. And so without my being kind of a tough teacher and saying, you're responsible, I do it more gentle <laughs> and help people <laughs> understand how we misinterpret, misunderstand, and give hints as to other ways of doing things. Right. Wow. Okay, so in, in Beyond Mars and Venus, you actually, you talk about how in previous generations, they would seek role mates and how the newer generations seek more soulmates. So I know what that is all about because I've read the book, but for everyone else that's listening that hasn't read it, could you go into detail on what that's about? I'll do a little story. I grew up in a family of harmony. Uh, you know, part of my background being a yogi, my dad taught yoga to me at three years old. I mean, no we were, way. my mother had an esoteric bookstore. So I kind of grew up with all the alternative new age stuff as a young child oh. uh, and then <clears throat> developed into my own integrating that into life. But they had a marriage of happiness and love, but it was at a level of contentment. Clearly after a while, they stopped having passionate sex. Okay. But they, they were happy and that's role mates. My dad did his job. He was a good provider. He didn't get angry with her, so she felt very safe. And But he didn't do all the romantic stuff. He had good manners. And I think that's really all men in the past needed to do, was have a good job to provide the woman what she needs and to not be angry, don't get argumentative about stuff, and, uh, and to be somewhat civilized, okay, had good manners. So my dad had all those qualities, but I didn't see like he'd come home and watch TV and ignore my mother, you know, but she didn't mind. She was busy with the kids, you know, her dream, you know, in her generation, her dream was to have a, a beautiful little home and a nice neighborhood, a safe neighborhood. And she had seven children. That was her dream. And she had it and she's amazing, but she also meditated, you know, she had a spiritual connection with the divine. And so if she got upset, she would just meditate it away. You know, she could just come and give unconditional love. But I grew up with her getting what she needed my dad being the guy who could provide to her what she needed. And so there was a level of, they each did their role, so they were happy. Mm -hmm. Today, that's not enough, okay? They, they, that's the role mate relationship. Today, what we want is more. You know, we live in a world of wanting more, which is definitely encouraged, maybe by a little illusion with all the social media and everything. It seems like everybody else is happy and you're not. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, it's everybody pose and put on the big smile and we all love each other that afterwards we're all jealous and we're saying things well, you know this is but so it true. looks like everybody's on vacation all the time everybody's having a good time nobody has any problems why why did i marry this guy you know why am i with this person you know this is <clears throat> and the problem is also that you can see your exes as well right and that's right <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the, a, a favorite quote of mine that I did not invent, but I, I heard it and I love it. It said, uh, comparison is the thief of happiness. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we start comparing, oh, but I don't have it. They have, well, I have to prove, you know, this is the world we live in today. But it's actually a more advanced awareness because it's, uh, you know, freedom means choices. There's more choices. And that's the thing we have to overcome, which is while we have the freedom to choose and compare, we have to also have the heart open to appreciate what we have. Right. You know, to me, uh, being in a monogamous relationship uh, is actually total freedom. You know, men often, you know, when they, they don't have this inner fulfillment inside, they, they often, and for women too, but more so with men quite commonly, is they feel like if they're in a monogamous relationship, they've given up their freedom, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, no, basically, when you're a single guy, you're lusting after every woman you see that's somewhat attractive to you. You know, there's a place, there's a void you're seeking to fill by, oh, I could be with her, I could be with her, but I can't be with both at the same time. And then there's the fantasy of having both at the same time, <laughs> which is a lot of busyness. <laughs> hey, that, that's not as great as it sounds, but you get it. But there's this, uh, but the freedom is when you when you have your soulmate. Now, soulmate means you're not just roles, but that you're you're getting a higher level of emotional fulfillment. You're looking to your partner for a higher level of loving support. So when my mother didn't really care if my dad was a good listener, uh, because listening is a form of intimacy. You know, people don't realize that when a woman is talking, it's like emotional sex. See, physical sex is the man enters the woman. Emotional sex is the man enters the woman. That's what understanding is. You know, often women, we so listening to men, but you reversed it. You see, you're being the man, he's being the woman. Right. Uh, you really want to make sure that the woman opens up is way more vulnerable than the man. And we, we, you know, when women don't feel safe to open up, then what they do is they ask men a lot of questions, you know, like, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? But really, she's the one who needs to open up. Right. And yet she'll go after wanting to penetrate into him. And that creates reversal. What we want is to teach men how to be good listeners, how women, how to share without being uh, blaming men, you know, which is saying, you know, you can share emotion. Oh, I'm so disappointed you didn't call. Uh, you could do that from the point of view of, so you should change and remember that's I'm sharing an emotion to change you. That never works. It just doesn't work. Every couple does this and it, that's why relationships go down. What works is to say, okay, I just want to talk about my feelings. You don't have to change just to understand me better. I know you'll do what you can do. You see what a difference that is? So I'm sharing my emotions so I can change. Because when women can share their emotions, they feel connection. See, all negative emotion rises when women aren't getting what they need. And what they need more than anything, you could summarize all the unique female needs into connection. Women need to feel there's a connection that provides a sense of safety, a sense of security, a sense of validation, a sense of importance, a sense of value. All those things come to women through connection. Now, ironically for men, we love that connection. The connection actually stimulates a hormone that's way more important to women than men, and that's called estrogen or progesterone, but particularly estrogen. So when there's connection, estrogen goes up in women and their stress levels go down. For men, too much estrogen actually increases his stress. Right. So men need more testosterone. Now, testosterone is the opposite of estrogen in many ways. It's the, it's the feeling of detachment. It's a letting go. It's pulling away. So men pull away and women attach. But men want to attach. We want to have our female side too. So we like to connect. But then too much connection right. raises the estrogen up. That then lowers his testosterone. Then he has to detach, which rebuilds his testosterone, which is why the hormones I talk about and beyond Mars and Venus explain like the rubber band theory and men are from Mars, which women love to hear that because Men want to get close and then they pull away. When they go, what happened? What happened? Yeah. It can actually be that he felt more love than he's ever felt before. That raises estrogen up. That lowers testosterone. And when men have low testosterone, they, they basically don't feel good. So he needs to pull away. He doesn't know what's going on. He just knows I want to back off, back off, back off, and then do something that doesn't involve her. 
Right. Because if he involves her in it, then it increases estrogen because he cares about her. So he has to do something where he's solving a problem or fixing something. And for me, it was really easy because I'm, you know, I meditate. Anytime, I, I, anytime I'm stressed, I can just go meditate and the stress goes away. Meditation, the, when you empty your mind and forget all your problems, your testosterone levels will start to rise. Really? And that's what meditation was taught to men, not to women. Now, women have a male side. They're expressing more of their masculine energy. So meditation can become easier and more effective for women. But women, throughout history, when Buddha taught and Hinduism taught meditation, women didn't do it, okay? Primarily men did it. And it was taught for men because when men get upset, they're stressed, their estrogen levels are rising. Meditation helps you to forget your problems so that your mind becomes empty then your testosterone levels rise. And that explains in my book, Men Are From Mars, the cave, you know, all men have a cave, which is they come home, they need to forget their problems. It's literally like meditation. Now we have an inferior form of meditation, but it still works. Men will play video games. Our men will get, you know, watch a sporting event. Our men will watch the news. All these things help him to forget his own problems. When they're inferior forms of meditation, it can be a problem to a certain extent because he can get addicted to it. So there needs to be a limit, almost like when you have a child playing a video game, only 30 minutes, you know, so you, you need to limit the time because it just feels so good. And it, maybe even with meditation, you have to limit the time, but most people are not experts at meditation. I mean, for me, I can meditate 10 hours and just be and great. You know, I, I can also have sex for 10 hours. It's the same same thing as the bringing together the yin and yang energy. Mm-hmm. But sex is not, when I say sex, I don't mean just sex. I mean making love. Right. Sex is the way you make love because we drain, love drains out of us. Love is a higher frequency. So we live in a world where people are not in love all the time. So that's a, they're in another frequency. And so the energy literally goes from us to them. So wherever I go, for example, People are happy to see me, okay? Well, that, their happiness is also my energy going to them. So, it, you know, m- many people who do massage therapy will experience this more dramatically if they're touching someone's body. Literally, if they're in a higher positive state than the person in front of them that they're touching, you can measure electrons going from the higher state to the lower state. So they equalize. So you feel better because someone has touched you who's in a more positive state but it can also be talking to you. It can be sharing with you, interacting. There's an exchange of electrons that happens. And so if you're in a love state, you know, interacting in the world, eventually it sort of drains out of you. Meditation is a way to rebuild it. Uh, and, and love is a way to rebuild, having friendships. But the highest way to pump it up to a much, much higher level than friendships or your work or whatever, that's a foundation, is making love. Because when you can have sex, you're literally with someone you love, okay? This is not just sex, okay? This is sex when you're feeling the whole time the love is stronger than the pleasure. The pleasure rises and it's converted into love and it goes up more and more and more and more. That is the potential of a soulmate relationship. The soulmate relationship is not based upon roles, although you do have roles, you work them, but it can be any role. She can be the make money, he can be the take care of the children, whatever, that's the other extreme opposite. Right. But it's like, what is the practical role for you and what works for her? 
But on an emotional level, she needs to be very yin. That's the female energy, which is vulnerable, which is more emotional. And he needs to be more into providing the safety for her to be that way. Hmm. That's the dynamic of a soulmate relationship. And then in sex, of course, the, the dy dynamic is, you know, you get to a place, there's stages of all of this, where the woman is multi-orgasmic and the woman's orgasms are the man's orgasms. So his body doesn't ever release. His ejaculation is never, never occurs or maybe every six weeks or a few months, um, he'll get too excited. But his pleasure is providing for her. When a man can have that kind of stamina, it takes a woman through nine levels of orgasm, which they talk about in the Taoist, the Taoist sex, sexology and so forth. There's lots of books written on that. Yeah. But the, the key to it is you, you have to have a soulmate relationship. You have to be able to feel the love. You have to be able to sustain the love so that sex becomes an act of, from the man, an act of service to the woman and for the woman, an act of receiving. For a lot of women, they become confused in sex because they're confused in their lives, the male and female energy. They think giving is feminine. Actually, giving is masculine. Receiving is feminine. So a woman has to learn that, you know, often when women are touching, uh, you know, having sex with men, they feel they're giving and they're giving, as opposed to it's all about her receiving, her receiving, and even her taking, her taking and him offering. So we get it reversed, where a woman kind of lies there and offers her beautiful body and the man just gropes her and touches her and everything. That's the lower level of animal sex. <laughs> That's the reversal. The higher level is she's kind of groping him. <laughs> and she's using him for her fulfillment, for orgasmic pleasure, and he offers herself to her. And of course he performs in various things, but it's not for him, it's for her. But in it being for her, his, feeling of ecstasy is being able to unconditionally give, okay? It's like to be able to give without requiring. At a lower level, we all give to get. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's, it should not be, the highest level is, is just to offer yourself without, without even having received, I give myself. But that's a very high level, and sex can take us to that level, and for a woman to be able to receive without having to give. I didn't have to give, I'm just receiving and taking, taking. These are like altered states, you know, like meditation has very higher, higher levels. A soulmate relationship has the potential to get to those places. But the, the, the underlying primary definition of soulmate, we'll come back to your question, is very simply, uh, Maslow in 1940, he talked about what he saw was the ascending hierarchy of needs. At a lower level, when you're in survival, you just need warmth, okay? If it's cold, you don't have any relationship problems. You just want to be next to a fire. <laughs> you know, it's amazing if people go into, and they're really in real survival, just getting food and just getting fire and heat, you are happy. And, but then once those needs are being satisfied realistically to a great extent, then what arises is our emotional needs. So that's what Maslow was talking about. And our emotional needs become more important because they're right in front of us than even being hot and cold because we already have that. Then once your emotional needs are being met, that's a soulmate relationship, then you self-actualize. Then you have the foundation for bringing forth your inner genius, your sense of mission and purpose becomes clear to you and the universe responds to you and receives you. 
you know, you can feel a sense of your mission and purpose, but the universe doesn't yet respond to you till you find that yin and yang balance yeah. through relationship, you know? And, and so many people are like really into meditation. They're not really into relationship. Meditation is kind of an escape from relationship, but that, that for me, was a foundation. It is a foundation, but you can get caught in that beginning stage, you know, and think that, okay, all my happiness comes from inside. It does, but to become more happy, it takes relationship. So one simple principle is I can't make my wife happy. Her job is to be happy. My job is to make her happier. And if she's not happy, I can't make her happier. So I don't try, but I can help her. I can provide the safety for her to find her happiness. But that's our own job. Our job is to be happy and fulfilled. And when we look at our partner as though they have failed us because we're not happy, that's a mistake. Right. But our partner can bring us happy, happier. And that's a healthier place. And, you know, that was a big revelation for me because anytime my wife would be unhappy about something, I kind of felt like I failed her. And then I let go of that completely. I realized, now that's her job. But my job is to take her happier. And if she's not happy, I, there's a lot of stuff I can do to help her. Because men really ultimately just want to help. We just want to help. And women want to help too. That's their male side. But their female side is to receive. Wow. Well, it's funny because um, when I first read Men Are From Mars, my favorite chapter that I would tell everyone, it's like, if you're going to read any chapter, if you don't have time to read the whole book, read chapter eight, which is all about discovering the emotional needs. And then when I found out that you had Beyond Mars and Venus, this that's what this whole book is really all about. That's so, right. Yeah. And, the and real, the real stuff. Right. And so it's just, it's funny because I was like, this is, that's the most important chapter. That's the chapter that changed my relationship because it was from understanding when he says, I need you to accept me. And in return, if I'm able to accept him as is, he will provide understanding for me. That just blew my mind. Isn't so, it great? It's, it's reciprocity. It's reciprocity. It's just like, it's wild. How did you come up with it? How did you recognize the correlation between these? <laughs> A, a lot of meditation on it. Wow. A lot of meditation. The channel, do you think? Uh, no, I don't channel anybody. I have a higher self, and, and that comes through. Uh, at 28, 29, after nine years of celibacy and average like 10 hours of meditation today a day, my soul returns. So there's a thing in many traditions called the soul returns. Mm -hmm. And then when the soul returned, then I went through the dark night of the soul. Because as the light comes in, anywhere there's darkness, from your childhood, it comes up. And that's what people have to know in their relationships is that when you have a lot of love, then everything from your past slowly starts to come up totally. to, to be healed because light removes darkness. So if there's light, the darkness comes up and it's out. But you have to like recognize that it's always our job to let go of the darkness, not our partner. Our partner can bring in more light but they can't remove the darkness. That's, we have to take responsibility for that. But I'll tell you where it began, not just thinking about it. Uh, there were many moments where I would look at, okay, when Bonnie, Bonnie would sometimes, uh, oh, John, you just don't appreciate me. You just don't appreciate me. And I thought, I appreciate her so much. That's why I married her. She's the most amazing woman. And yet she doesn't feel appreciated. And I thought, what is going on here? So I did an experiment, okay? Because I know I want to be appreciated too. And if she would complain, I feel like I'm not being appreciated. Don't you see all the things I do? Well, she would also say, oh, don't you see all the things I do? So I thought, okay, 
So I'm gonna uh, really give her a lot of appreciation. So I, I, she was making dinner. And so I sat by the phone, we had cord phones in and, and I'm talking to my friend Clifford. And I said, oh, Clifford, I'm so lucky to be married to Bonnie. She's making me dinner right now. She's an amazing cook. She makes dinner every night. I just get to sit and watch TV. I do my job. I come home. She'll like want to bring me tea. I mean, she is just the most amazing woman in the whole world. And I don't have to do anything around this house. She just does it all. <laughs> so, and, 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 and I just watched her become more and more upset because I was saying she does everything and I do nothing. <laughs> and then I said to her, oh, honey, would you make me some tea now? <laughs> so, and and I, I watched. And I realized that, yes, of course, she needs to feel appreciated. But women often feel I'm not being appreciated when actually they're not being taken care of. Right. I needed to, like, respect her needs. I need to notice, oh, honey, you're working too hard. Let me help you with this. Oh, love, you need this need. You need to talk. Let's talk. What women require most is to feel honored and respected. If you honor and respect a woman, that means to do things for her. Now, that was a hard word because if you look in the dictionary, respect is the same thing as admiration and appreciation. It's like those three things are the same, but actually they're not if you look at the experience. If you respect the speed limit, what do you do? You put your own needs to the side and you honor culture and society and you obey. To respect is to honor that as important, even if you may not fully want to do that, you do it. So there are a lot of things men can do for their wives that, well, no, I'd rather just sit and watch TV. But if you, oh, I see you're tired. Let me go help you. Let me offer my help to you. That is respecting someone and not an appreciation is if you respect someone, let's say I give to you what you need, what's your response going to be to me? I'm going to be appreciated more. Right. So, so the way I would get more appreciation from my wife is to take more time to understand what her needs are and honor those needs. So then I had to go, what does she need most? Well, that was easy. All I had to do was listen to all the women that came to me for counseling. What was the number one complaint? He doesn't listen. So I just said, I'm going to practice this to the nth degree. So I remember one time, this is a fun story. I'm going to have to keep it short. I can do it in 20 minutes even, but I'll do it in like two minutes. <laughs> a great story. So I said, I'm going to really test this out. I'm going to just ask my wife questions over and over and over. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to fix anything. I'm just going to listen, just going to understand. So I said, what's the matter, honey? Because she was like in having a bad day. And she started complaining. And, you know, she started out complaining. And then they started, see, it seemed to me like all the complaints were about me. You know, the house is a mess. I feel like I have to do this. The children got sick, but you weren't there. I tried calling you. <laughs> I mean, it was literally like she had 50 complaints. I was listening for a whole hour and I thought, how long can she go if I just keep saying, well, help me understand that better. So you're feeling this. And she go, yes, is that right? She went, not exactly. And this went on and on like a therapy session. <laughs> and at the end, I felt like my wife basically had 50 complaints about me. Yeah. Now that makes me feel inside defensive because for every complaint, I've got an explanation. I've got a reason, or that's not really what happened, or you could have done this. So that's what men do when women complain or they express the negative feelings. The men always have to explain, you know, explain it away because explanations take away the upset. Instead, I just listened and listened. But as I listened, part of me was becoming very upset, feeling very unloved, feeling very unappreciated and getting very, very angry. So my anger is rising up, my defensiveness, but I'm putting it to the side, putting, I'm honoring her, putting it to the side. 
And then after about an hour, I said, so is there anything else you want to share with me? And she said, no, no, I think that's it. I mean, that was, that was amazing. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay, good, good. Is, there, uh, is this a good time for you to share how I feel? And she goes, this is amazing. She goes, no. <laughs> I said, what do you mean, no? And she says, I, I just, she said, I just want to bask in the sunshine of your love. And I'll let you know when we can talk about your feelings. And I was like, well, that's unfair. But at the same time, I'm stunned. I'm stunned. How could she feel like she's basking in the sunshine of my love when she just had 50 complaints about me? And I'm hearing it as like I'm the source of all her unhappiness. Yeah. So my, when she said bask in the sunshine, I felt like, okay. I relaxed a little, but I was still very upset. Then she went to the kitchen. She said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make your favorite meal tonight, chicken and peas and mashed potatoes, you know? So already she wants to give me more. And I'm like, wow. Okay. And, and when she's in the kitchen, this is what really stunned me the most. She starts to sing. Literally it's like a Disney movie with little bluebirds flying around and, <laughs> and Cinderella's in her outfit. I mean, I was just like, what is going on? My wife was so upset with me and now she is so happy. I said nothing, I did nothing. And so she was in a good mood and I watched as she's in a good mood, how my mood settled down to like half, okay. Then that night I'm going to bed, I'm still a little grumpy. You know, I feel like I've been just been thrown under the bus. And then she goes to her drawer to put on a sexy outfit. And I'm thinking, how could she want to have sex with me when she just had all these complaints about me? My mind is just like blown. <laughs> so she gets into bed and it's easy for me to forget all my problems when she's in a sexy outfit. <laughs> so we make love, we have sex and I go to sleep. And so that's all nice, sweet part of the story. In the morning I'm waking up and she's cuddling up next to me. And she says, John, last night you said that uh, you wanted to share your feelings with me. This would be a good time. <laughs> and I, so she said, what, what do you want to tell me? And I'm nothing. My mind was blank. And I realized, okay, what just happened there? Hmm. Sex, women only have sex when they appreciate you. So I felt so appreciated. All of my need to complain went away. So I got very clear that whenever I'm wanting to complain back, it's because I'm not feeling appreciated. I'm not feeling love in that form. And so much of the time, women do appreciate men. They just don't realize how important it is to to acknowledge it, to express it. So it becomes a, like a practice. If I'm feeling appreciation, make sure to show it. And you don't even have to say appreciation sometimes. You just have to smile and be delighted. Uh, that's another form of appreciation. Another form of appreciation is to overlook small mistakes. Because you know, if somebody was to come to your house that you had great admiration for, who had helped you a lot, and maybe they made a few little mistakes, you would overlook it because they're so important to you. So when women minimize, when they, when they accept, and that's the acceptance part of this, which is when you accept a man just as he is and not like trying to change us all the time, then men feel really loved. Because when you want to change somebody, you're saying you're not lovable the way you are. Yeah. Even though that may not be her experience. Her experience might be, I love you so much, I just want to make you better. <laughs> but to a man, his experience is, well, if you want to make me better, then you feel like I'm not enough. And, and so if you do ask for more, and that's natural, normal, uh, just always don't do it too much and do it from a place of you already make me feel happy. It's a tone, tone of voice that says, I'm very happy, but would you do this for me? It's more like a preference rather than a demand. Right. And that's something to study in the tone of voice. A preference is saying that if you did this, I would be happier. 
a demand is I'm not happy and I won't be happy until you change. Mm -hmm. If you continue that way, I just can't be happy. That's a demand. I require you to change for me to be happy as opposed to preference is if you were to make that adjustment, it would make me even happier. But I know you're doing your best. That's acceptance. And so what I found is, and you know, I, I got off on all this. You asked me, how did I come up with this? So I'm remembering all the experiences. But that oh, I love day, it. When, when, I, when I took all that time to really deeply understand what, what happened is she was able to appreciate me. But more importantly, I got to see that she had accepted all of the deficiencies in her life. And this is really important. She gave me a clue on this one time when I was learning to give the four hugs a day. And uh, I was, she was upset about something and she was sort of withdrawn and become a little cold. And so I went to gently give her a hug because I, I knew, don't say anything. Just I'll just call you, honey. I'll just give you a hug. And I gave her a hug and she was kind of cold in the hug. And I just held her for probably about six to 10 seconds. And I just held her and felt my love in my heart for her. And, and then she softened. And she said to me, you know, John, that hug was really important. I said, really, why? And she said, because before you hug me, all I could think about is the things you do wrong. But after a few minutes, after a few seconds, I started to remember that, well, you don't do all things wrong. Actually, you do a lot of really wonderful things for me. And I started to understand the way the women's psyche is, is that women, when they feel loved, when they feel, when they feel supported, there's a hormone change that takes place, which allows them to remember the good things he does. Mm -hmm. And when that hormone's not being produced, she can't remember. She just remembers the negative things. It's like she's got two memories up here. And when cortisol, the stress hormones being produced, the elevator goes up to the memory of all the things he does wrong. Mm -hmm. But if cortisol is not being produced because she's producing the right amount of progesterone and estrogen and so forth, cortisol levels we know now will drop. And when the stress hormone goes down, she feels safe. Then the blood flows to the part of her memory that remembers all the good things. Right. You see, if we're in danger, if you've been hurt by fire and you get close to fire, your brain's not going to remember all the good things. It's going to remember the times when you were burnt. Right. And But when you feel safe, you don't remember those things. So what I realized is all men want to do when women are upset is tell you, don't you remember I did this, I did this, I did this. They can't remember. All you have to do is not try to tell them to remember and they will remember on their own. Right. But you just have to be patient and understand those different emotional needs, which we talked about a few. Ultimately, for the people who haven't read the book, it's the primary needs for women. Three is caring, understanding, and honoring, respecting her. And for men, the primary needs is to feel that you still trust us, even though we're not always perfect, we're doing our best to trust us and to accept our, our mistakes, which is forgiveness or overlooking little mistakes. And the third is the most important really is appreciation. Right. And then later on, 20 years later, what I find is when somebody claps for you, which is to appreciate your testosterone goes up, whether you're a man or woman. Really? Yeah, that, that's the point. It's the biological validation of that chart, which is that when, when you feel appreciated, I, I did a good job. And someone goes, you did a good job. Or you feel I did a good job. I accomplished, I achieved, and I did it myself. Testosterone goes up. And when someone forgives you for a mistake where you feel like, even though I'm not perfect, I'm good enough. That's acceptance. Testosterone goes up. And when someone trusts you, they come to you for advice, they come to you for support, they ask you for help. 
because you have the source, uh, your testosterone goes the highest. And that's why throughout history, you'll see that there were statues of men and you know parades for men and so forth, because that pumps up their testosterone and men need to make 30 to 50 times more testosterone to feel romantic, to feel good and so forth. Uh, and for women, it's more about taking care of her, it's protecting her, it's listening to her, it's honoring her, it's prioritizing her. And what often goes unseen today is, you know, it's kind of like we're looking at men through a lens of they're the bad guys. Actually, the guys have always through history, there's bad guys and there's good guys. And you know, the, the wars, men sacrifice their lives so the women don't have to. You know, men do really wonderful things. And then there's the not wonderful men. But that's the world. There's always this polarity of good and bad. And there's good and bad women. They're not all good women. You know, so we have that dynamic. But for the man today, it's really being sort of knocked down. And part of that is evolution. Mm -hmm. Because our role as men is no longer to sacrifice our lives for women. It's to sacrifice our anger for women. It's to sacrifice, you know, our selfishness for women on an emotional level. Mm -hmm. See, we're rising now to this emotional fulfillment as opposed to just the physical reality. Because as, as a physical being, a woman can be the man, she can be the woman, she can make her own money, she can do everything herself, men can do everything themselves. But the biology is, that's, the biology is such that if you want to go to a higher level, you have to look to the female for the emotional support. Women have to look to the masculine for the emotional support. And if you're in a gay relationship, she can look to the masculine side of her partner. He can look to the feminine side of his partner. But these are two energies that need to be in relationship to each other. Right. And that way, you can grow and harmonize them. You have to be on one side and the other at the same time. And that's orgasm. You know, that's when you're receiving and giving at the same time. You're merging into one. You're a part of me. I'm a part of you. We are one forever. And that is the orgasmic state. And that's being in love. And you know, that's having a loving soulmate relationship is that partnership, which coming back to that first thing to me, which was such a revelation, which is the freedom I felt when my wife was completely fulfilling for me. Why would I look elsewhere? You know, yeah. so when you're at the best restaurant, you live in the best restaurant, you don't go elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, McDonald's has no attention, no flair at all. You know, just but you have to be able to feel that amount of love and it's the good sex based upon intimacy and good communication as well as good sexual skills that all together allows you to experience recharging the the chi energy in your body through the making love the sex is one of the most powerful ways to pump up that energy inside wow okay so many things i could comment on that you know the first thing is um i think from my own experience, I think when you first, when you meet someone that is very much in alignment with what you're talking about with your energy and your chi, I think it's interesting how all of your past like demons essentially or like just tr childhood trauma does come up. And I did experience that at the beginning of my current relationship and everything started coming up. And I think it's because I felt safe enough to finally deal with it. 
And it was really beautiful because I'm now at a point in my relationship. And I think also I've seen his growth in the last two years and how we both kind of have dealt with all of our past stuff. And now it is all about just making sure that we both feel, you know, appreciated for him or me feeling, you know, safe and trusted and whatnot. And um, it's really wonderful. And what you said about the hugging, um, we've actually established that whenever we're fighting, we know we got to just hug it out, like take a breath for seven, hug it out. That usually makes it better. And then maybe go our separate ways for like 10 minutes till we calm down. <laughs> so, yeah. Great wisdom. That's great yeah. wisdom. You know, I, I, one of my, uh, I, I teach a lot in China and uh, as well. And one of my teachers there, I have coaches around the world and she was telling me a story. She was talking to a woman who was complaining about how uh, her husband was so abusive and he was so mean and, and, and was uh, saying mean things to her. And she said, I just don't understand. And all the coach said was, you know, I think before he does that, probably you're sharing some complaints with him. And she says, yes, I was. Yes, I was. I'm like, you are so smart. It's, it's, <laughs> that was a revelation, a revelation for her. And what my coach told me, she says, you know, often women complain and they don't realize how heavy that can sound to a man. Mm -hmm. You see, it's kind of like, uh, of course, how can you ever ask for what you want if you don't complain when there's huge difference between complaining and asking for what you want. And there's a huge difference between complaining and sharing your emotions. And, and, and even that is a subtle distinction. So I'd like to make that because complaining does help bring you back to the female side, but it's not nearly as powerful as sharing your emotions. So what's the distinction? If you were in a restaurant and you wanted to share with your friend, oh, you know, the soup is not very good. I thought, I think it's a little too salty. And your friend would say, really? Mine's a little salty too. That's called sharing. Right. But then if you say, waiter, uh, over here, please, uh, my soup, it's really too salty. That's a complaint. Right. Because what you're saying is, I want you to know how I feel. And now you must make up for it. I must get a free drink. I want another bowl of soup. You should tell the chef it's too salty. You're trying to change them, help them or whatever, but that's a complaint because your, your goal is to change someone. Therefore, that is being on your male side to just share, which is I, you don't have to do anything about it. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to change it. You don't even have to say you're sorry. I just want to tell you how I feel. That will actually produce the maximum amount of estrogen that would then lower your cortisol levels. Hmm. That's purely feminine is I'm just sharing and I'm not trying to change you. Right. And I actually, I think myself, I had to get to a point where I was saying, oh, I'm just talking right now. I'm not complaining, just so you know. And it's kind of like, he now knows, oh, okay, she's just like, she needs to just talk. If you just say <laughs> that, you know, my, one of my yeah. daughters, she says, okay, I just want to, I'm just sharing feelings. That's what it means. Yeah. I'm not asking you to change. I'm working through it. So I'll feel better. Yeah. Another phrase, I'll call it a million dollar phrase for women to know that will help a man listen to you so much better. He'll be able to feel empathy because he's not defending himself at all. He can go into this place of pure compassion, which is not, not about me. It's all about you. So the phrase is when you want to share feelings, you're upset and you've got like complaints inside or whatever, but you want it to just be sharing. Uh, you just simply say to him, this is not a big deal. I just want to talk about my feelings. So if you ah. say it's not a big deal, what you'll see in men is immediately their stress level will drop. They go, okay, okay, right. it's not a big deal. 
because it's very hard for us to correctly interpret the degree of your being upset with us. And the reason that's true, that's a brain difference, and that under moderate stress, it has been tested in the brain that women have eight times increase of blood flow to the emotional part of the brain. Yes. And men under moderate stress have a decrease of blood flow to the emotional part of the brain. Hmm. So under little stress, we become detached so we can be logical, think about it, try to solve the problem. Is it really a problem? Is it not a problem? How big a problem is it? How little problem is it? Is there something I have to, all that goes on inside of a man with no emotion. So when problems are little, men have no emotion. When problems are big, that's where men feel, and that's when a problem is such that a man doesn't have a solution. When men don't have a solution, they feel like they lose their confidence. And when men lose confidence, literally their testosterone converts into estrogen, and that's when they get angry. Right. So when men are angry, this is a revelation in this book, and it's been backed up by science, is that when men are angry or argumentative or defensive, what's happening is their testosterone levels are actually going down and their estrogen is going up and they're actually becoming feminized at that point. And when men hear that, then they have more motivation to not, not like express anger. It's okay. If you're, you are angry, it just means that you're out of balance. How do you come back into balance? Stop talking. Cause when you talk about emotions, positive or negative estrogen levels will increase and that will lower his testosterone. So yeah, as a guy, I need estrogen. But always my testosterone has to be at a healthy level. Otherwise, I will start feeling insecure, defensive, passive, irritable, grumpy, judgmental, critical. All the things that can come about to men is when they lose confidence because they don't know what to do. And part of losing confidence is not getting enough appreciation for being, for being good enough, not enough acceptance in your life. And a lot of men just did not get that in their childhood. And so once their heart opens up and they fall in love, strong emotions, it's like there's this box of repressed childhood trauma, which we all have, we just don't know about. Mm -hmm. And well, as soon as you fall in love, all that love is like a key that opens the Pandora's box and that stuff will start to come out. So you find yourself being a little more sensitive, a little more reactive, a little more defensive. That means you need to take time to separate and for him to pump up his testosterone. And if she's feeling that reactivity or doubting and questioning, that's when she needs to go to a friend and just share, you know, this is just my feelings. I need to talk it out to sort it out. Right. And you know what? I've actually said that to a lot of my girlfriends because that really resonated with me when I read that in your book. Because, um, you know, <laughs> with previous relationships I would have these really long fights for hours and they'd never get solved and and as a woman you're like why like just tell me like how you feel and like I just wonder like why, why are you hearing me but it's that they literally cannot hear you until they've had time to calm down their testosterone to literally come back up and then they're able to reason and you know be at a better level and, and understand they can be present for you. Yes, they yes. They can be present for you. It becomes about him Yes. his estrogen goes up because estrogen is about me and testosterone is about you. I give my, I give up. And people, again, we got to understand that the giving part of us, the listening part of us is the masculine part. And it's not that women can't be masculine, should not be masculine. It's just that when they're stressed, they need generally to come back to their female because they've been too far on the masculine side. And when men are irritable and grumpy or passive, all that is because they're too far on their female side. 
their male side needs to be pumped up a bit. Right. It's crazy because this, like, as you know, as I was reading it, I, I just kept feeling like, why isn't this taught to us? Like, it's just, it seems so obvious. We're completely different men and women. Like, it's just, it it makes so much sense that we would think differently, that we would have different emotional needs. You know, it's, it's crazy to me as to why, you know, more people haven't realized this and and haven't you know taught it it should be taught in schools really i think <laughs> because i think if a lot of people knew this stuff you know early on they would be able to avoid a lot of disasters in their relationships and i mean i i also come from a very meditative background i love i'm very spiritual and um i you know i i I resonate with you when you're talking about that because I also I do kind of believe a little bit in fate and that you know you you attract what you need in your life to resolve what's ever going on inside of you and whatnot and so uh, yeah so um, you know sometimes I think relationships are just meant to end for whatever reason possibly but I do think that these tools could help you um, realize a lot about yourself and realize um, what you could do to improve your relationship. So I think it's really interesting. I am interested though on, um, you know, when a relationship has built up a lot of hurt over time, what, what do you recommend that people should start doing to start healing and forgiving their partner? Okay. So, um, you know, I have a book called how to get what you want, want what you want, what you have. Okay. Okay. Uh, and in there is probably my most sophisticated teaching on how to open the heart, even though that's not the title, but it's really, people are drawn to how do I have be successful? And the whole secret of my success is opening the heart. You have to always love yourself and love others. And how do you get there? Right. And, and so the title is really kind of what people want, but how you get there is by learning how to do just what you said, which is how to find forgiveness for others and for yourself. Hmm. And there's, uh, two, two sides of us, the, the male and the female side. And if, if a man is dealing with childhood issues, then he has to do the same thing a woman would do. Uh, because as a little boy, we have almost the same hormones as a little girl. Uh, for the first two years of life, we have uh, grown-up male hormones of testosterone. A, a little baby boy has the testosterone levels of a grown man, which changes his brain. But then after two years old, it shifts. Once he has the male brain, his hormones, though, go into little girl hormones. So he has estrogen needs just like a little girl. So every time you feel ignored and, and not loved and supported, there's gonna be a little trauma that goes in the box. Mm-hmm. And then later on in life, those traumas will come up and you deal with them. So the way you deal with them is whenever you can't just go, gee, I wanna forgive my partner and love them. You first have to be in the place of, I want to forgive. See, a lot of people go, oh, you should be punished and never forgiven. That's a belief system that's old and you have to just get, you may feel it, but it's stupid, okay? <laughs> if you punish someone, they're not gonna love you more. Nope. <laughs> so you have to just get, that's really stupid. That's the way monkeys think, okay? Right. The world used to be such that if you wanted to get ahead, you would intimidate people with anger. Well, that doesn't work anymore. If you get angry, I just like get rid of you, okay? <laughs> yeah. so, but, but the monkey brain still does these old things. So you have to first go at least identify that stuff doesn't work. Punishing, shaming, guilting, all that just doesn't work. Then the next thing you're left with is this part of the brain, which can look at things logically and from a, a, a more advanced uh, development, which is an eye for an eye just doesn't work. Everybody will be fighting each other forever. Right. So you want to step out of that. So you first have to know, okay, I'm upset with my partner. I want to find forgiveness. That's important. That's really important, the intention. Then the next thing you say, I want to find forgiveness. 
but I'm going to listen to the monkey inside of me. You have to listen to the monkey inside of you to connect this part of the brain to this part of the brain. And if you don't listen to it, uh, it will control you because you're still holding on to it would mean it's in control. So you start here and you be like a parent to the monkey inside who is upset. Now the monkey never knows fully why they're upset because they're not logical and reasonable. Right. It depends upon they're either angry or they're feeling hurt and sad. They're afraid or they're feeling guilty. Okay. All those, those are your four basic colors, uh, the red, uh, that make up all the other colors. You know, if you have one of those TV screens in the old days, which projected, you could have a red light, a yellow light, and a blue light. And that will make all the colors on a black screen. The black is the guilt, the red is the anger, uh, yellow is more the fear, like you're yellow, you're, you're afraid, and the other one is um, blue, sad, hurt. Those are tones. So you need to explore whatever the monkey brain is in control, Generally, it doesn't know what's really bothering it. It says, okay, I'm really angry with you. I'm angry. When anybody's angry, actually, they're always afraid. They, they, they can't not coexist. You know, somebody says, uh, I'm arguing you. Why are you arguing? What's the point of that? Well, you did said this. Well, why does that bother you? Mm -hmm. Because uh, that means they don't love me. So you're afraid they don't love you. Well, they don't love me. No, you're afraid they don't love you. So you're getting all angry to try to get them to love you because you're afraid they don't or they won't unless you get angry with them. So always with emotions, there's deeper levels of emotion. And as you do this work, which is emotional intelligence, you, go, you realize that whatever you're feeling first, you feel it, like listening to a parent, what's upsetting you, why you bother, what happened, why do you feel this way? It will always take you deeper to another emotion. And you need to feel, you know, if you're, uh, you more, a younger person, a couple emotions will do it. If you become more spiritually enlightened, uh, you might need to go, you know, at least four levels down. Okay. For me, uh, 12 levels, if something upset, now nothing upsets me. But I remember when, it, it, when in my forties, you know, um, I had so much success. Okay. So much success in all the magazines all around the world, biggest selling book, number one every week for five years. Wow. All that's love. You see love energy cleaned out that, uh, that little treasure chest, that uh, the Pandora's box, it just came up. I used to have to spend like four hours of meditation processing all of this uh, shame and fear and being scared and being hurt and being angry and being disappointed, being frustrated. There's like 12 levels I went through. And so I had to find reasons for these emotions because they were in there. And all those reasons could come from my childhood and my birth as well. So I have complete recollection of everything that was traumatic in my childhood, processing all of that. I can remember my birth. I can remember the doctor tried to induce me and I was really angry. I didn't want to come out. I have all these, you know, this is the depth of processing the dark night of the soul. And I had already gone through the dark night of the soul. Now I was like having all this success because I was letting in more. If you empty out, more can come in. That's the whole secret of success. Mm -hmm. And what's Emptying out means to feel, be authentic, be naked in terms of what are the raw emotions inside and love them, listen to them, and they will go. They will turn into, you know, oh, I really don't need. When you bring in the light, you realize, oh, I don't really need to be upset about this. Huh. But that's the paradox. People go, okay, if I'm enlightened, I don't need to be upset. But the truth is you are upset. So if you're upset, it's one part of you. So you let this loving parent who like a child is saying, why can't I get the ice cream? You have to go, I know you want the ice cream. I know you're afraid you're not getting the ice cream. 
but we don't eat ice cream every day. We'll have it next Sunday at a birthday party. No, 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 we won't. No, we won't. I know you're afraid we won't, but we will. You know, well, why? Why can't I have it now? They'll have a whole blend. Children will naturally go through these levels if they feel safe. But what happens is when children throw tantrums or get upset, they're told not to feel that way. They get shamed for those feelings. Those feelings aren't addressed. They're not heard. Or today, more modernly, with more permissive parenting, what parents will do is the child gets upset, they'll just give the child what they want. And the child never learns that even if I don't get what I want, I can still be happy. See, that's what we have to learn is that you can want more and not be unhappy because you don't have more, but you trust, okay, what can I have? And you appreciate what you can have. But wanting more is the nature of life. And it was taught in the past you shouldn't want more because people couldn't handle the emotions that come up. If you say to a child, you can look want more, then well, why don't I get everything? I want everything. And so they get very hurt. And people couldn't process. They didn't have enough connection with the logical, spiritual part of them, which could then look at those emotions with compassion. And so you have to listen to your emotions. So writing out your feelings, all this came to your question, which how do you find forgiveness? You first have to have the intention. That means now I'm the one who's keeping myself from feeling forgiveness. The idea that you have to apologize before I'll begin to find forgiveness is a losing strategy because you're a victim then. You're waiting for some, You're waiting for the outer world to change before I can feel good. Yeah. So the principle, all spiritual principle today is you're a victim if you're depending on the outer world to change and then that will determine how you feel. If the outer world is disappointing you or hurting you, you have the job of letting go of that hurt and disappointment then feeling love again, and then go out and change the world. That's okay. From the place of love, do what you have to do to change the world, which means change your behavior. You'll always get different results. Change your thinking. You'll always get different results. Yeah. But how do you let go of rigid negative thinking? You have to realize that negative thinking is also causing an emotion inside. Feel the emotion and hear it with love and compassion, and then it will release. But just feeling the emotion is usually the wrong emotion. You have to feel the anger before you can feel the disappointment. You have to feel the disappointment before you can feel the fear or it's a different order, but you basically have these different emotions that you look for because usually if you're stuck in an emotion, like if you're stuck in anger, you can't get away from it. It's because there's another emotion you need to look at that you're not willing or able to see. Right. So that's where the release takes place. Very interesting. I, um, I wonder, are you someone that believes that um, it's your, like your belief systems that create the blocks in your life? Oh, completely. Uh, yeah. Belief systems are all based upon our experiences. Right. And you, you, in my experience, to change a deep-seated belief, you have to realize, you have to experience this belief that you don't love me causes me to feel pain. So if I change the belief, it, the pain motivates us to change. That's the idea. Yes. And so you just kind of recognize, and there's other systems for this, which I like very much too, uh, which like is, NLP. okay, well, yeah, and a lot of different systems to do this, but one is, what am I telling myself to feel this? Is there another story I could tell myself that I wouldn't feel this way? And right. so you work with a better way of looking at things. And that's kind of how, what the whole book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus is. Yeah. It's a new story to tell us we don't really need to be upset with our partner in their cave because they're actually rebuilding their testosterone so they can come out and give you more love. Yeah. And so don't go into the cave or he'll run away even more, you know? So you give yourself a story which is closer to the truth, you will always feel better. And that's my belief. You see, the soul communicates us through pain and pleasure. 
and this is a deeper level of, of love and whenever we're feeling pain the soul is telling you whatever story you're telling yourself it's not right, right. you need to change your story yeah. and so by identifying what is making me feel this way it starts helping you to see what are the beliefs i'm holding on to that are causing this pain ultimately all our pain is feeling i don't deserve and i can't have or i'm not good enough and therefore i don't deserve and i can't have so that's the pain which is deep down inside but it could be a million different things that trigger that so you have to start where you are what's triggering it get back to what am i feeling and the emotions is feeling the pain and as you feel the pain the belief that's causing the pain has no reason to be there anymore because the brain goes hey why would i hold on to this belief if it's causing so much pain so right. you let it go anyway right. that's a a journey of finding forgiveness is processing the emotions then the next step is you find behind the emotions is pure desire your soul's desire which is always if I'm mad at you really I want to love you and I want you to love me but because you did that I won't I don't want to love you and I don't want you to love me whatever see uh, processing the emotions is dealing with all the pushing away then you get behind that to what you're pushing against which is your true desire to love so what is it you want so you write out, I wish, I want, I need. It's a, as a self-exploration of getting in touch with what's most important to you. Mm. As you get in touch with what you want and need, when they're your soul's desire, always inside of the desire is the seed of wisdom that says to you how to achieve that or what is actually possible so you can adjust the want and need without feeling that you're just settling, but you're doing what's realistic and what your soul needs. So the soul has the wisdom to give you the confidence to achieve what you want or the intelligence to adjust what you want to something that's more realistic that you can achieve that would actually be along your soul journey so that is all contained within getting in touch with that a uh, seed of desire which is then you feel love you feel forgiveness and then the wisdom comes of what's your next step and that's where knowing comes when your heart is wide open right Wow, this is actually kind of blowing my mind a little bit because I didn't know you were this spiritual and it's kind of it's kind of great. It's way more like I mean, I should have assumed based on the books, but I guess you don't really say too much about your meditation journey in these books. So I don't I didn't know that, but it's it's perfectly in alignment with my podcast because I don't know if you know this, but uh, one of the fun things that I like to conclude all of my episodes on is pulling an oracle card for my guest. So are you down for me doing that? Totally, totally. Wonderful. So I actually pulled it in advance just in case we were like close to the end. So um, I pulled two cards for you, actually. The first one is the Phoenix. Okay. And actually, the, the deck that I'm using is called The Wisdom of the Hidden Realms by Colette Baron-Reed. I am literally obsessed with her as well. And uh, I actually saw her perform live. She was pretty cool. She pulled people out of the audience and was giving like very accurate readings. It was really cool. So what's um, the name of the book? What's the name of it again? The card? Yeah, it's called Wisdom of the Hidden Realms by Colette Baron-Reed. I would love her to come on the show at some point because she's, yeah, she's phenomenal. And these cards, people love them. So um, I like to work with them. <laughs> All right, the Phoenix. The Phoenix is, yes. So the Phoenix is basically, um, I'll just read a little bit. It says the Phoenix appears as your ally to celebrate your journey and to ensure your ultimate success. 
This is a true. This is true, even if it appears that you've just passed through a, meta, a metaphorical experience of death, or are currently enduring a preparation of failure in your life. Death and rebirth are related when you enter the realm of the phoenix. Seen in the light, nothing truly dies, but rather changes from one ending directly into new beginnings. The phoenix is constantly reinventing itself and rises up whole and new and even more powerful with every death it experiences. This could single signal an end of a relationship or of a dynamic within one or an end of a job, a project, or even a life. Perhaps no failure is involved, but it's time for a complete overhaul of your circumstances. You may be tired of what you're doing or you may know intuitively that it's time to move on and try something new. Whatever the case, a death of the old and a celebration of the new life are called for. Whatever you do now will indeed be a successful endeavor for a rebirth is imminent. That's so beautiful. So yeah. appropriate in my life right now. Very Wonderful. Cool. And the second one that I pulled is called the River Queen. I'm just going to I'm going to show you the card because I find that any thoughts, feelings, ide ideas or sensations that come to you while I give the reading is very is very relevant to what you need to know. So that's mm -hmm. the river clue. Flow, letting go, natural movement. Yes, in the flow, right? And this was the yes. phoenix. Yeah. Yes, right there. very beautiful. So uh, the River Queen flows into your life as an ally to remind you about the concept of allowing and the law of non-attachment. Remember that all rivers come from the mountains and run to the sea to be absorbed by the larger body of water. There, the liquid evaporates into clouds that rain on the mountains to continue an endless cycle of fluidity. The River Queen requires you to be fluid and to let go of rigidity. I can never say that word. Rigidity. Yeah, that's right, right? <laughs> and perfectionism you will travel far as long as you let go and let flow even maneuvering around the greatest blockages that like water streams around big boulders no obstacle could hold you back now if you're willing to surrender to the natural flow of events be easy on yourself and others and watch how smoothly you move forward you may be surprised where the river takes you that's beautiful Beautiful. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Those are wonderful readings. I love yes, it. They are. Very appropriate. Very appropriate. Oh, good. And I appreciate the validation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, actually, someone died very important to me. And so oh, I'm so sorry. This this has been a year, uh, uh, unfortunately for me as well. I've I've experienced a lot of death this year. So I, I understand. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Thank you so much, John. Honestly, I had so many questions to ask you, but truly, I don't want to keep you too much longer. This honestly was such a pleasure. And um, yeah, well, just... we should do it again. You can ask those questions. OK, I would love that. Yeah, I'll right. schedule another one. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. And as always, I'm sending you so much love, light and motivation to go slay at your goals. Namaste. Mm -hmm. For more Namaste or to support the Namaste podcast, visit patreon.com slash Melissa Malati. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Melissa Malati.